And a good morning to you. Uh, grab another cup of coffee and a croissant, and welcome to the show. The Back Nine Boys Golf Show is brought to you by Mizuno Golf. Reach beyond by Sea Palms Resort. Try their new place called Sago, where all the folks are gathering and eating great food. By Club Car, the global leader in golf utility and fun personal vehicles. And by Bridgestone Golf, play the ball that fits you. And by the RSM, proud sponsor of the RSM Classic, giving back to our communities. On the show, we're going to talk with Jeff Fages of the GSGA about the 2021 highlights that include very high participation in golf this year and what's coming up for 2022 that includes some new events. Then we'll talk with LPGA caddy Jeff King about caddying all over the world, including the Olympics, and being an owner of a company. And then finally, we'll talk with David Bass of David Bass Golf about how important fittings are to your game, to improving, and his growing company, Quantum Force Golf. But first up, Jeff Fages of the GSGA. Good morning, Jeff, and welcome to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Hey, good morning, Rich. I uh, appreciate you having me on the show. Excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. And despite all the challenges over the last 18, 20 months, how has participation of golf been across the state? Uh, p- participation has been unbelievable. People have been so excited to get out and play. Uh, you know, golf being an outdoor sport uh, provides a sense of, of, of safety and security for a lot of people um, during the pandemic. And we have just seen record numbers across the board in so many of our competitions over the last 18 months. It's been incredible, and uh, we're very, very thankful for that. I've also read some articles that say more people are walking rather than riding in carts obviously for the exercise, but also because it becomes more enjoyable for them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, golf was, it was a walking sport way back when it was created. We didn't have golf carts. And, uh, you know, certainly there's the the health aspect of it. Uh, I prefer to walk anytime I can. Um, Last year, for all of our competitions, we were in in single-player carts just for the the safety aspect of it with with COVID. But uh, this year we've, we've... gone back to two players uh, per cart for our competitions, but we have seen an increase definitely, like you said, in, in people that are, are now walking in the events, and that's great. It's, it's great to see. So in the GSGA events, can people walk? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So they can use carts or they can carry their own bags, whichever they prefer. Yeah, we, we do not require players to be in carts. They can They can share a cart with their um, their partner in their group. They can uh, take a pull push cart if they prefer. They can tote their bag. They can have a caddy. Um, all of that is acceptable, and as long as we can, <laughs> as long as we can manage our job and keep everybody on the, on their pace of play, it's it's a good day. Yeah, pace of play is always an issue, but we'll not bring that up as a subject. Uh, but let's talk about 2021 highlights. What were some of the big highlights besides some great participation despite the pandemic? Sure. One of, one of the biggest highlights was we conducted the 100th Georgia Amateur Championship this year. That was at Cherokee Town and Country Club in Atlanta. We had a record number of entries. We had over 900 people, Wow. Uh, GSGA members from across the state of Georgia that signed up to try and qualify and be one of 144 players that played in the championship. Uh, it was won by Harris Barth, who's a teenager uh, here in the metro Atlanta area. Uh, shot 276, eight under, and he became just the fifth player, 17 years old or younger, to win the championship, which was 
of course, first one by Bobby Jones at the age of 14 back in uh, 1916. And you also have entered into an agreement with the Georgia Women's Golf Association. Um, that's a big deal for y'all and for them. It, it, it's super. I mean, we, we have been able to take over administrative and operational um, operations of the Georgia Women's Amateur Championships. Now we have both the men's state amateur and the women's state amateur uh, this year, that was played at Cusa Country Club up in Rome, and uh, Jenny Bay, who's now a senior, she plays at UGA. She won that. She had just an unbelievable summer this year. She won wow. the Georgia Women's Open as well, <clears throat> and in in winning the Georgia Women's Am, she became only the second player in history in our GSGA competitions history to win the Women's Amateur, our Women's Match Play Championship, and the Girls Championship. And she joined some pretty elite company in doing that. Mariah Stackhouse, who's currently on the LPGA Tour, is the only other person to have won those three major championships uh, that we've run. Jeff, is the GSGA, you obviously, are you impressed with the way that some of these college kids, and I call them kids because they are, um, but they're just, they're playing unbelievable golf. Their mental aspect of the game, their physical aspects of the game are just far and above what they were when I was that age? It, it is, it's absolutely amazing to see the growth that, that juniors have made and how uh, their, their skills on so many levels have progressed. I've been with GSGA for over 18 years now, and I remember back to my first year in our girls' championship, we had about 20 or 30 players that participated in it. And, uh, you know, you might have uh, a small handful. You can count right. on one hand the number of players that were actually competing for the championship. But these days we've got close to 80, 80 girls competing in that event, and wow. the major, vast majority of them are all competing at a very, very high level. It's, uh, it's so great to see. And, and the same thing with our junior boys as well. We've got um, over, over 200 boys from across the state that are trying to qualify that for our uh, state junior championship. It's it's. It's amazing to, to see the, the it, development. It really is. And, you know, if you look out on the ranges, you see these young people playing, and they all kind of look about the same. I mean, they're, they're tall, they're, they're thin. I mean, around here we call them flat bellies. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's just, just I'm just thrilled to see these kids go out there and play, and they are just so good. Well, let's yep. talk about the wrap-up. Thrilled and, and makes me jealous, too. Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. Um, the last major competition was the Tournament of Champions. That obviously went well. Uh, you had 120 players. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, the Tournament of Champions is, is a relatively new event for us, just the third edition that we've uh, played this particular event. And it's, it's, it's kind of unique in that we welcome club champions from our GSGA member clubs around the state to compete against one another to crown a a club state champion. So we have four different divisions. So we have men's club champions, women's, senior men's, and senior women's. And within those four divisions, we take um, 40, uh, 40 players or, or 30 players, and uh, they compete against one another. It's really a unique event, and uh, play, we, we get players that play in that that don't normally compete in our GSGA championships. Maybe they only enjoy playing in their, their club events, so they maybe venture a little bit outside of their comfort zone and, and go to the state level and have a great experience and it was a very successful event and received a lot of great feedback from that. Obviously a great 2021, and looks like from what you have uh, you and I have kind of talked about, looks like 2022 is going to be even better. 
Oh, we're, we're really excited. We've got a great year with amazing sites um, on the calendar. Everything that we've got confirmed to date, and we're about 85% complete with our championship schedule. Wow. Everything is out on our GSGA website right now. So if you go to gsga.org, check out our calendar of events, you'll be able to see the sites and dates for a lot of our major championships. And you've got a uh, mixed team championship right here at Sea Island. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, we're super excited for that. The season kicks off with our mixed team championship at Sea Island Golf Club. That's being played March 19th and 20th. Uh, we were there this year in 2021, super popular this year. Uh, we had a massive wait list. It was first come, first serve. Uh, we have both gross and net divisions in it. It's a mixed team event where we do one round of modified alternate shot and one round of, of four ball. And the great thing about 2021 and being out at Sea Island uh, this past year was that we were able to play two of their three golf courses. We played the modified alternate shot on the plantation course, which just went through a renovation uh, right. a few years ago, and that right. was incredible having the opportunity to play that. And yep. then we played the four ball on the seaside course, which yep. you know has so much history. Both courses, that's um, obviously where the RSM Classic is played, and gives uh, a lot of our GSGA members to get down there and have a great time and play those uh, wonderful golf courses. Well, tell us about the Georgia Amateur coming up at Deer Creek and the uh, Georgia Women's Amateur at Sugarloaf. Yes, the, the 101st Georgia Amateur is going to be played at the Landings Club at Deer Creek in Savannah, host of the, the Corn Ferry Tours Club Car Championship. Uh, the club just hosted uh, qualifying school for the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, really excited to get back down there. The last time the Landings Club hosted the state amateur was back in 2010 and uh the the real unique thing about that championship was that was won by um lee knox of augusta oh, yeah. he played in the oh, yeah. group the final oh, round with his father jeff knox who right many people uh may know and then our women's amateurs coming up at tpc sugarloaf here up in duluth where the mitsubishi electric classic is um that's played on the t uh, pga champions tour so we've got two great sites really looking forward to a, a super year of competitions um like i said everything all the details are on our website gsga.org and look forward to another great year with uh, great participation jeff how do people that belong to gsga qualify for some of the events i know it's all explained on the website but yeah, there, there's a number, a number of different ways. A lot of our events, um, some of them are first come, first serve. Some of them are done by handicap index. One of the things we started last year, which will be expanding in 2022, is our one-day series, which is a season-long one-day series of events that are competitive, which we do gross and net scoring. There's multiple different divisions, so people of all different skill levels can compete in them. Um, Lots of different opportunities for GSGA members of varying skill levels. We don't just cater anymore just to the elite level amateurs. Uh, we're trying to provide opportunities for players of, and members of all different skill levels. Well, it just sounds like another great year coming up for GSGA. Jeff, thanks for being with us, and uh, hopefully we'll see you somewhere around here. Absolutely. I'll plan on being down there in March for that uh, team championship, and maybe we can hook up sometime down there. Uh, we definitely will do that. Thanks, Jeff, for being with us. All right. Thanks, Rich. Okay. Jeff Fages of GSGA talking about the big highlights from this year and coming up for next year. Our next guest is going to be Jeff King, who turned a hobby into a business even while he was caddying.
We'll be back on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. This is John Smoltz, and you're listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. And welcome back. Our next guest is a caddy and a business owner. Good combination, of course. Good morning, Jeff King. Welcome to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Good morning. How are you? Well, I'll tell you, it's uh, pretty dang good. <laughs> well, I'm pretty dang happy that it's good for you. That's great. Hey, let's talk a little bit about your caddying before we talk about your business. But how is it caddying on the LPGA Tour compared to the PGA Tour? Yeah, it's a common question, I think. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just a different, uh, it's a different animal. Any, 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 uh, anywhere from, you know, they hit it farther. Uh, I think their, their practice, uh, I don't know, their, their practice management is a little different. I think, uh, guys, guys tend to just go out there with the attitude of, uh, you know, I got it, let's go play. And the girls are, or they, they tend to be a little bit more, um, practice oriented at tournaments, you know? So I think that, you know, guys, guys are, if, if they don't, I'm not saying everybody, but you know, yeah. if they don't have it. They they know they don't have it. You know, and they're they'll sit out there and, and grind it out for a little bit. And if that's that's what they got to to play with, that's what they play with. But uh, I think the girls practice quite a bit more than the guys, which is which is fine. You know, that's uh, when you want to be good or be the best at anything, you're going to tend to do that. But I think that would probably be the biggest difference. Okay. Well, you've caddied all over the world. You were at the Olympics. How was that? The Olympics, was, I heard Rory say, you know, like, uh, what he say? You're playing for a different reason, you know. And I was on, uh, I was on Chinese Taipei's team. Uh, I've been uh, on a part of that program for a long time uh, through through different girls, but it, it was different that you, you go out. It was, you know, it's not just. It wasn't just golf, you know. It's like these people are are. Uh, there's so much pride. It was right. It was cool, you know, to walk around and and see. You're walking around with the best athletes in the world, you know, because it, every, week to week you're just okay. These are the best golfers, and you're, you you get used to that, you know, by seeing everybody and being around everybody. Sure, it's like you you, you walk around and you like you walk into the cafeteria and you see a seven foot girl, you know, it's like okay that. She's one of the best volleyball players in the world. It, you know, it was that that sense. Right. Of it, they worked all their lives to be there. You know, so you kind of wanted to. You were part of something special. So it was it was awesome. It was really cool. I was I was glad I got to do it. So it's kind of like an all star team for golf from each country. Yeah, and it, it was uh, it was it was. I didn't even know that some of the the girls were from the countries they were from, to be honest with you. I was walking around, and I see these people every week. And it, we got there a little bit early, and we got to watch the guys uh, play the final round. And I walked around, and I talked, you know, because I, I still know a lot of those guys out there. And it was everybody's friends, but it, it, I don't know how – it was kind of week to week you're, you're doing battle, you right. know, with, right. against each other. You know, when when you're battling for Spain or you're battling for Denmark, you know it was everybody wants you to win that medal. But the, from the swimming team to the track and field, 
<laughs> right, 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 right. I mean, when you're playing on regular tournaments for either tour, you know you got next week, the week after, and you got 25 more weeks. When you're playing for the Olympics, you got four days. That's it. You got one, yeah, one chance in, you know, the pride of putting that medal around your neck is, it's unparalleled. Yeah. I mean, it was, I, I, I didn't, th- I knew it was going to be great and I didn't know what to expect, but it was, it was way different than, than what I thought. You know, you kind of hear people go, well, it's the Olympics, like, you know, the golfer, you know, just started being an Olympic score, like nobody really cares. It's like, I didn't see one ounce of it. Every single person cared because of the right. country. You know, it was. Uh, I thought it was going to be a little bit less. Uh, I, I don't know. I wouldn't say stressful. A little bit less. Uh, I thought people would be focused, not as hard as they were. It was. Yeah, yeah they really got to start. I mean, because it's every four years and you're playing for your country, it's, it's just a whole lot different. So let me ask you this. Why does it seem that the caddies on the LPGA Tour help the pros read putts more than the guys on the PGA Tour? Well, um, it's not only reading putts. You do a, a, a lot more of everything. I mean, okay. Uh, I, I've, had, I've had more than once, several, where, I mean, it's every shot, you know, it's, why is that? You know, what do you, I, you know, it's, I, I can't answer it. I, I think it's, it's the way they were brought up. It was like, they were being told to do something by somebody, whether it's a parent, a coach, every, everything they do, every chip shot, every pull shot, you know, it's, it's seven iron, you know, three yards off of seven iron at the tree, right of the flag, you know, and it's, you just kind of, if you know that's the way it is, you, it's kind of like you just get in the golden tee mode, you know? Right. Okay, here's the shot we got to play. And you're not even asked. You just, that's what, and I think that's why there's more turnaround on the LPGA Tour as well, because, you know, when you're wrong, it's, it's on you. Right. And, right. And as is in golf, men or women, the caddies get, you know, pointed at whether it's their fault or not. But you're, you're not just, uh, you're not just carrying the golf bag. You're, you're, you're the wingman, you yeah. know, and part of their job is to, you know, when they vet, it's going to help them play better. And you're the only person out there with them. So, you know, sometimes you are the beanbag. And if you don't have thick enough skin to understand that, then, you know, caddies are not, not uh, probably your line of work. But we right. all understand, you know, the, the guys who've been out there a while, that's part of the job. And yeah. when you're wrong, it's you're wrong. Nobody needs to tell me if I'm wrong. I'm the first person to know it. Nobody feels worse right. uh, than me, but... But, uh, you know, there's, there's very few times where you do, you know, in between clubs and you tell them that it is a six iron and they hit it to two feet. You know, there's very few times where you get the, hey, that was a good club. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. You're right. Right. You always get told when you're wrong, you don't necessarily get the credit when you're right. Yeah, and that's, that's part of it, too. You know, yeah. hey. I don't care. As long as we're making birdies, I don't care who's right. Together, we're trying to make the right decision and, yeah. and get that sucker in there for a chance. You yep. know, so. All right, so let, uh, let's now change from your hobby that is now a business. You and I talked a long time ago when you kind of first started King Made Jerky. Um, uh, quickly tell our listeners a little bit about how you got started and where it is now. Well, it, it started as kind of a unintentional accident uh, just making 
making stuff in my kitchen from Googling a recipe. I took it on the road, you know, a couple tournaments and I never asked one person to buy anything, eat anything. They just got a hold of it from uh, seeing me eat it and everybody fell in love with it. They kept telling me it was the best jerky they ever had. I don't know how I did that specifically, but uh, <laughs> it just took off like wildfire. It's now the official jerky of the PGA Tour. And uh, that's that's where we're at. That's, uh, all the guys are still supporting it. Uh, all the girls support it. Uh, it's a great product. It's healthy. Uh, it's low sodium, low sugar. You know, so it's, uh, I've been asked a lot how, how I accomplish those things because in the world of beef jerky, you know, salt is one of the biggest reasons people don't eat it. And, right. Uh, I did. I didn't really have an answer for it, but I, I have a little bit better understanding now. But yeah, it was super happy. We just came out with some new products, actually, some uh, meat Whoa. sticks. So um, really happy with the way they came out because I, I, I never really was a stick person, but right. You know, it's, it's it's so much more convenient to eat on the go, especially in golf. I mean, you can eat the thing in three or four bites, but I think, again, I was I was never really a stick fan because they were all kind of greasy in the inside. I, like, I don't know. I just had a vision that they, they were never good, and we put some stuff together that's a lot less greasy, a lot more healthy, and uh, I've gotten great, great feedback from everybody that's had them over the last couple of months since they come out. So, yeah, it's exciting stuff. It's kind of working. All right, give us the website so our listeners can uh, get more familiar with King May Jerky. That is kingmaidjerky.com. Hey. As is. Easy. <laughs> As easy. Easy. Yeah. Um, how much protein are there in the sticks now, Jeff? That's a great question. I believe 11, 12 grams, and there's okay. three of them, so it differs. Um, it, it, so it's ample. You know, I've seen, you know, in in performing when you're out there right. kind of burning, burning off stuff, you know, I've, I've seen uh, the max is five. I've seen one person eat five sticks during a round. Wow. <laughs> wow. You, you know, you, you eat one per side, and, and it's good, you know. Turkey's great. Don't get me wrong, and it's it's awesome and it's healthy and all that good stuff. But right. at the end of the day, you know, when when the guy's reaching in my bib to grab the bag back, you know, to finish it off after hitting <laughs> a shot, these things you, it's right off the tee box. Boom, yeah, heck yeah. it out, and by the time you get to the first shot, it's gone. You know, and they don't they don't mess around with the jerky either. It's when it's open, the whole bag's going down. It's it's not like it goes back in the golf bag open. So yeah, <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna finish whatever. It, it, you put in their hand, whether it's a bag of sticks, so a uh, little more convenient. I yeah. Think. And, are you uh, Are you going to go to the PGA that? show, Jeff? What's that? Are you going to go to the PGA show? I don't believe so. I think I'll be caddying that week. Okay. Um, All right. Well, I'm glad you're going to be busy. Yeah. I'll miss not seeing you at the PGA show, but I'd love catching up, and uh, thanks for being with us. Yeah, I appreciate it. I hope, I hope all is going well on your end as well, and uh, we'll see you again soon. I hope so. Jeff King, King made jerky and a caddy. Uh, be well, travel safe, and uh, we will talk soon. Thanks for being with us. Next up is going to be David Bass of David Bass Golf. You won't want to miss that. He's got a lot of things to talk about, including his own brand of clubs, but we also don't want you to miss knowing about what's going on at Mizuno. Mizuno Golf has always had the best irons. The JPX 921 Series offers feel and performance. The new STG 220 Driver offers maximum adjustability. 
and you can complete your bag with their brand new T22 wedges. They feature three finishes, four unique sole grinds to improve your short game. But basically, check out all. All that's new with Mizuno at MizunoGolf.com. Nothing feels like Mizuno, so reach beyond. Dottie Pepper with CBS Sports, and you are listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. You know, fittings are very important to be able to improve your golf game. And uh, bringing persimmon clubs back to life is his passion. Uh, And he now has a new golf company. That's our next guest. Good friend, David Bass. Good morning, David. How are you? Hey, Rich. What's going on, man? Not much. You've got a lot going on. I mean, when you and I first met several, several years ago, up in North Carolina, you were doing fittings and, you know, kind of recommending clubs and stuff, and we're going to get into that. But uh, when, but I want to talk about all the other things that you're doing, too. But first, when people come to you for fittings, what are the top two things that they say that they want? First of all, they want to know if the equipment they have already in their bag is acceptable for what their experience is and what their goals are. Okay. I'm always asking somebody, well, what what would you like to shoot? And what's your aspirations for playing golf? And my, my end goal is to align the proper equipment to fit their body type and their physical restrictions. And then at some point in time during the, during the fitting, we put them on cameras and we do a little bit of a swing analysis so we can point them in the right direction of solid fundamentals. Do most golfers, David, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Do most golfers really know what they need to do about their swing, what they're doing wrong? Do they mostly think they're doing a lot of things right, but a couple of things wrong and they just want you to, quickly in one session say do this do this and they leave and go out and just try and be better the reality is that most golfers have either never had a golf lesson (laughs) or they've never had a good golf lesson ah good point very big difference yeah i'm not actually slighting any other golf instructors it's just that people by and large shy away from getting anybody to help them because they feel embarrassed or Hmm. they think they know what they're doing, but what they're doing is completely different from what needs to be done. Does that make sense? It definitely does. I think there's a lot of golfers. uh, I hate to see myself on video because I know my swing is not what I think it is. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, and that's, this is why many years ago I discovered that you can't separate fitting from swing analysis because you need to be able to understand the what I call the chicken or egg, the cause and effect of, of the golf swing in order to fit somebody. And as someone's fundamentals improve, the fitting needs change. It, it does not change their natural rhythm and their natural tempo. It does not change their body uh, mass index or their body measurements, but it could change the shaft load uh, considerably and also um, the the lie angles and that type of stuff. It can change considerably based on somebody's improvement. 
Gotcha. Okay. So as we get older and we've taken a few lessons, do you recommend going back and kind of going through your bag again and maybe see if you need a a shaft change because you've gotten older and your swing speed's gotten slower? Yes, um, no question about that. To okay. make sure that everything in your bag matches. And the beautiful thing about today is that you can replace um, a three hybrid with a seven wood. You can replace a five hybrid with a nine wood. There are things that you have today available that you didn't have 30 years ago to make golf a lot more fun. Yeah, yeah. And my my goal is to, to take every club out of the bag that someone has an issue with hitting and, and put – I want every club in the bag to be some a club that somebody loves. Uh, great question. Now, there's a lot of instructors that try and change your swing – and there's a lot of instructors that feel you don't really change. You try to improve what they have already been doing. What are your comments about that? Well, you everything starts with solid fundamentals. The question is this. Can a poorly fitted set of golf clubs affect a, the performance of a fundamentally sound golf swing? Hmm. And that's the second question is, can properly fitted golf equipment affect the performance of a less than fundamentally sound golf swing? And the answer to both of them is correct. Um, the average person doesn't know um, if their golf clubs fit them. And the, the problem is that uh, when you combine some of these modern golf clubs that have less loft, like stronger lofts, and then the company does something which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. They put shafts in them that have very low kick points. Right. So you have a strong loft, but you have a, a shaft designed to hit the ball straight up in the air. And the result is that the average person can't hit it in a five-acre field. Gotcha. So the, the way if, if the club maker needs to understand the functionality or the, the design parameters of the equipment he's selling or he's recommending, you also have to understand the de design parameters of the equipment that the person walks in with so you know how to change it. Right. And by walking in with a set of clubs, you can kind of tell if they're really seriously into it, how old their clubs are, and that could be a big reason. Uh, but you also know how serious they are about the game based on what they bring you in. Well, I mean, I, I've known people that have had 30-year-old set of clubs and they're scratch golfers, and if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But I've never had anybody in 50 years, no matter who you are, tour player or, or college player or weekend golfer, I've never had one customer to come in with a set of clubs and, and, and I'm going like, okay, these things are perfect. You can leave now. Right, right, it right. It doesn't happen. There's always something if if I go through your bag and I check the lengths and the frequencies and the swing weights and 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 all the things that are that we check, um, there's always something that I can say. You know, if we did this, it would make a big difference. You know, those are the kind of things that a lot of people need to hear in order to really really improve. Because, as you said, there's somebody playing clubs that are 30 years old and they're still scratch, but 
There are a lot of people out there that buy the latest and greatest what they see on TV, what their favorite pro is playing, and it doesn't work for them. Yes, and and what people need to understand about fitting is it's not a one-shot thing. You, you can't right. walk into a store and get fitted and leave. Right. Sometimes the fitting process takes three or four trips. Um, we To make sure somebody's totally clubs are totally working, I may build a couple of different demos and have them come back, and we go to the golf course and we hit balls. And then, you know, if I'm not satisfied, I'll build another demo. I'm going to make sure that when I, when I build that set of clubs for someone, I'm seeing the launch I'm looking for and I'm hearing the sound I'm looking for. All right. You said earlier something about the clubs that people are using. If they are, have trouble hitting irons like they used to, you would recommend going to a hybrid that was not available many years ago but is now in a lot of different lofts. Why is it that some people can hit hybrids better than they hit their irons? It's all about the center gravity. Center gravity is lower, and it launches the golf ball. But, but a hybrid is never going to replace a fairway wood, which has a lower center gravity. So, in other words, if I gave you a nine wood, you would hit the nine wood considerably better, typically, than you would a five hybrid, and a seven wood better than a four hybrid. Um, for some golfers, hybrids don't work. Right. And for other golfers, uh, hybrids do work. But it, typically, the slower the swing speed, we will tend to lean toward fairway woods. Seven wood, nine wood, okay, even an eleven wood. If we need, in other words, the less irons is possible with slower swing speeds. Okay, and what about hybrids? What if they have more hybrids than they do irons? Um, it depends on the swing speed. If somebody has a, a reasonably aggressive swing speed, we can put a three hybrid or a four hybrid in the bag. Okay, if their swing speed is you know seventy nine miles an hour or 74 miles an hour, I'm going to start at the five hybrid. I may go to a six hybrid. Right, gotcha. Um, because I want to be able to eliminate the medium to long irons if possible so the person hasn't doesn't have to stand back there on a long par three or an approach shot and struggle to get the ball in the air. Well, uh, struggling is one of those things that I think a lot of people think comes with the game of golf. But, David, we want to talk a little bit more about what brands of clubs you're recommending, a little bit more about your persimmon passion and your golf company. We'll do that after we take a quick break. So we'll be back with David Bass of David Bass Golf uh, right after we tell you about one of our favorites and our passions. It's Deep Dish Pizza from CJ's Italian Restaurant. Check out their full menu at cjsitalianrestaurant.com. And I'll tell you, their deep dish is incredible. Their thin crust is also good. There is nothing like it. Uh, it's one of my favorites. They've got a lot of specials going on, including those that help the elementary schools around the area. Uh, the elementary kids and the teachers kind of come up with the ingredients that they want to put in there. And uh, their monthly specials, if you pick those, some of the proceeds goes back to the local elementary schools. Great birthday parties for kids. You call up and 
ask CJs what they do, how they do it. It could be a new area that you could take your kid for a birthday party. I know Gabe would enjoy it. But it's a family-owned, small business. Everything is made fresh every day. So check out their full menu and everything about it. It's very eclectic. I love it. CJ's Italian Restaurant. Check it out at cjsitalianrestaurant.com. Al Sutton here. You're listening to the Back Nine Boys here today. Rich Styles here. And thank you, Hal, for that. All right, we're back with David Bass, David Bass Golf. Check it out at davidbassgolf.com. Uh, David, what brands of clubs have you been recommending recently to a lot of your players? Um, I still have a Mizuno account. Obviously, Mizuno is in the, right now they're in a transition. Uh, their new clubs are coming out the first of the year, so they won't have uh, that much of a variety probably until February or March. Um, I started bidding for a company called Sub-70, and Sub-70 um, huh. is a company out of Chicago, and uh, we're getting fittings, people driving from two and three hours away to get fitted for those. Hmm. Um, and obviously we have our own brand um, of um, – now, of course, now I'll go back and say a lot of the clubs I, I sell are off of um, – used club websites a lot of my golfers come in and i'll I'll call them by a used set of clubs from callaway pre-owned.com or second swing right. and then we'll bring them in here we'll take them apart and we'll customize them for the client right and then we have our own brand which is quantumforcegolf.com or quantum force golf we have our own brand of putters and wedges that we are um, working on well, I've got to tell you, I mean, I'm going to jump to that because uh, you have been kind enough to send me a couple of wedges, and I will tell you they're the best wedges I've ever played. Most every time, if I hit it right, which is not all the time, but most of the time, if I hit it right, the ball checks, and I can go for the pin where I wasn't able to do that before. Yeah, we um, <clears throat> set the company out to, to have a quality product, if you buy most of your modern wedges, you're going to buy a soft stainless product, and these wedges are 10, 20 carbon steel. And for no, anybody that doesn't know what that is, that's the same material they used to make the old McGregors and the old Wilsons out of. I mean, you literally you literally have to use um, masking tape around the hosels and paper towel around the heads just to keep from when you have to adjust them just to keep from nicking them because they're so soft. Hmm. And um, we did a lot of work on the soles. Uh, we're in the process now of redesigning our wedges to come out with a new version um, next year. And then on the putters, uh, we, we amassed a pretty good team of people this year. Uh, the, the pandemic allowed us to back up a little bit and rethink everything. We've got um, um, new website people. We've got new marketing people. We've got people doing tests, sending putters out for tests. We've got a, sci- a science lab that we're working with. We've we got a custom paint shop that can custom paint a putter any color you want, um, any look you want. So personalization and customization is critical. Sounds like it's growing. How? What else is going to happen for you in 2022? I mean, with this team, you can expand Quantum Force Golf a lot more than what you have uh, with the wedges and now offering more with the putters. Yes, that's our goal. Our goal is um, we're, we're putting a big business plan together uh, for the next two years, and our goal is to launch again this spring and then uh, keep rocking from there. 
and we've got uh, we've been sending a lot of surveys out. People have been using our product. We've got virtually no, I mean, a hundred percent positive on on the the playability. Right. Um, some people commented on some colors, so we're going to go out, offer several other colors. We have three or four prototype models that have never even been seen by the public that are, are fantastic. So that's what's coming down the line. Well, it sounds like uh, an exciting time for you. I know this has been something that has been a passion of yours, and another passion of yours um, is the persimmon clubs. And I, uh, the other day when I called you, you said, I've been in the shop all morning. Uh, this has just become something that you just fell in love with again, and you're doing some great work there. Well, the good news is that when I, uh, over the last 20 years, I didn't throw all my stuff away. I kept it in storage. <laughs> um, but uh, I, back in the 90s, the 80s and 90s, I mean, sometime we would do 500, 250 to 500 refinishes a week on wooden clubs, and so I got pretty good at it. Right. And now uh, it's turned back into a, a passion. And a lot of these guys uh, across the country are finding their granddad's clubs or their dad's clubs or they're buying a used set off eBay. And they say, you know, I've got this set. And, or, or they're my dad's clubs and they were in storage. Can you restore them for me? So sometimes it's a sentimental thing. And um, sometimes it's just a guy who has a big collection and he wants to upgrade some product that he found that needs a little TLC, and that's our job. Our job is to bring it back as close as possible to the original condition, but at the same time uh, meet the expectations of the client. You know, I know you've been doing this a long time with David Bass Golf, and uh, your passion and your ability to grow and what you're doing with Quantum Force, to me, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled for you because I know this is where you wanted to go a long time ago, and now you're kind of on that that step to to just doing a lot of neat things. Speaking of, are you going to go to the PGA show in January? Yes, sir. I'm planning to go. I've got some some of our team members going to go down together. And uh, you're just going to go and kind of visit, or are you going to set up a booth? No, we won't have a booth. We'll do a lot of networking, which we always do. Meet meet people and, and uh, meet with the vendors. You know, it's an interesting aspect. I know uh, what I've read is that some of the bigger companies like Callaway and Titleist and FootJoy are not going. Um, and I think uh, that's going to be an interesting PGA show coming up in January. Yeah, it, it does take away from it, but it, it's, in a rea it's a reality in, in economics because of the fact that um, the you know even though the golf business has been booming, which you know you would think it would be the other way around, uh, even during the pandemic, the golf business has been one of the few businesses that has been great. Yeah. Um, but I mean, my life is good. I'm, I'm going to leave here in a few minutes and go work with a couple of high school kids. Awesome. That have aspirations of playing in college, and you know what could be better than, than to work on persimmon woods. You know, walk out of your shop and give lessons to, to young ki young men and young ladies that want to play better and then come right back and work on Persimmon Woods. I mean, the only thing better would be put so old people in there. David, thank you for being with us. I love it. Have a great day. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you so much. All right. 
Thanks for being with us on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show right here on ESPN Coastal. You've been listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show with Rich Styles. Go to backnineboys.com for all things golf whenever you want it. We'll be back next week with an all new Back Nine Boys at backnineboys.com.